jump into it. it. Just jump out of the plane and figure out how to rebuild your parachute on the way down. That's really the only advice I could give. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown uh, several startups in the seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we focus on helping startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And if you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and uh, grab some time with us to chat. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, um, Zach Stern, or Zachary Stern, but I'll go with Zach. And uh, just to give you a quick introduction, so he grew up in New Jersey, um, went to, I think it was to Stern University, is that right? NYU Stern, yeah, you know, last name's Mesh. I got got mixed up for a second, I'm like, last name is Stern, he went to Stern University, so maybe there was something there I'll have to ask in a minute, Um, but was a class, I think class president for all but uh, three years when he went abroad, didn't do that got into finance, worked uh, throughout school, was always busy, loved finance, uh, loved to work hard, but then got to a point where he didn't necessarily like the job, so moved over a bit to venture capital, graduated, started his own business, uh, which is what he's doing now, and that just, I think, recently launched uh, in February, so a little over a month, month and a half ago, I think, and you can correct me where I'm wrong, and then has been rebuilding it, crashing it, um, make, or having all the fun of uh, dealing with the launch, and then also getting a bit into angel investing, so with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Zach. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. So I gave kind of that quick, brief, or brief high-level run-through, but let's go back a little bit, growing up in New Jersey and then uh, going off, to, going off to, to school. So tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, so grew up in northern New Jersey, kind of loved it. Everyone hates Jersey unless you're kind of from Jersey, but I like to, you know, say I grew up in my own little space and it was fine. Uh, I did not grow up on the Jersey Shore for anyone listening. We kind of, that's not really anyone from Jersey, but we'll let that slide. So grew up in Northern New Jersey, always loved business, always loved finance. Throughout high school, did a few things, kind of toyed with a few things, and I'll, I'll start kind of there. That's really where I got into entrepreneurship. And a story I kind of tell sometimes is my biggest, or one of my biggest regrets is something I didn't do in high school. Uh, when I was a junior in high school, I started actually building a water bottle. And it was a UVC water bottle that would kill bacteria in the water. And it was something that I really loved, really enjoyed, kind of geeked out on. And one day I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do this. And I quit. And then three years later, this company called Lark came out with almost the exact same thing I designed. (laughs) And it was something where I was like, huh, maybe I should have stuck with it. And That's from, always the bait of the, all inventors or entrepreneurs' existence. Was like, oh, I, I, I had that idea. I started it, and it's like I could have done it. I could have been a millionaire. And if if uh, if 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 ifs and buts, right? So. And yeah, that's kind of actually what led me kind of later on jump forward to official. One of the reasons why I kind of took the plunge was regret minimization. I wanted to make sure that I never had that feeling again, and that's kind of why I started official to go backwards again. Uh, went to NYU, went to the Stern School of Business, super now, lucky to be there. Just a real quick question, and is, is it happenstance that your na- last name is Stern, or is there some connection there? Uh, as much as I would love to tell you that there's some <laughs> connection, it is completely random, but it was the greatest thing. So the reason, or one of the main reasons why I was class president was because Stern Business, the Stern School of Business slogan is, I am Stern. So it was really easy to just go up on stage and just end every speech. 
I am stern, both metaphorically and physically. And no one can say anything to that. So it ended up being my, my freshman year, I ran against eight people. My sophomore year, no one ran against me. Junior year, I was abroad. And then senior year, no one ran against me again. So it was one of those things that was kind of just easy. Uh, while I was an undergrad, worked throughout college, worked kind of at UBS, AIG, Stiefel, and the VC fund. And then after, went straight into the VC fund. Uh, my senior year, I actually took night classes, was an analyst during the day. And then once I graduated, was an associate. And then kind of left all that behind last October and started official. So that's so kind of before, how I got now there. before you dive into official, let's go back to venture capital. Yep. I mean, what my exposure, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. So the I have never worked in venture. I've, I have a lot of people I know that are in venture. That um, you know, it sounds like they are most people. It's incredibly long hours, high stress, lots of work. Was that your? Not to say not rewarding, but it was certainly one of that environment. Was that the case? Is that always the case for venture? Was your experience different? I'm just kind of curious because that's yeah. been my only exposure. I would say a lot of venture actually isn't like that. So I've been in the space a little while. I know a bunch of people in the space. It's a lot more laid back than you think. And it really is such a rewarding job. I love the job in venture. And that's why I still kind of am angel investing to a degree now, because you really are just searching out for innovation. It's really, you're trying to see what's going to be that next hit product. What's going to be that next hit software. What's going to be that next hit company that's going to kind of change the world. And that part was super exciting for me. So now, so now if it, you know, exciting and I, you know, hope doing well at it and everything else and, you know, graduated, that's kind of where your degree was headed and everything else. What made you decide it, it, it recently or at some point to say, Hey, while I like venture, you know, why I like working for a VC fund, I want to go out and do my own thing. And you still dabble in a little bit, you know, as well, but what made you kind of make that leap or jump to more entrepreneurship and doing your own thing? I was kind of that kid who always had a running list of ideas and kind of like you when you said before, the bane of my existence was that bottle. And it was something where I had this idea. It was a pretty good idea. It was something where I wouldn't let it pass. But the, the credit is not all mine. So the first time that I actually kind of decided to go forward with the idea, I was actually talking to someone who now became my first advisor. And we were chatting about an angel deal. And he goes, what would you do if you weren't in VC? And this was back in, I want to say last May. And I go, oh, you know, I was working on this idea at the time. It was called Newell. And, you know, I had a pitch deck because, you know, I'm I'm a finance nerd. So that's what I would do. And ended up showing it to him. He goes, this is something. You should really look at this. And I'm like, okay. And I kind of blew it off. He goes, no, 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 seriously. Like, please look at this. Ended up doing some more research, ended up kind of digging into it. And he actually became my first advisor. And it's something where he really did help me. And kind of with that little catalyst and then the push of, hey, I'm not going to let myself regret this in 20 years. Mm. I can always go back to venture. I'll be a better investor if I know the other side of things. Mm. So why not give it a chance? No, no I, I like that attitude. In, in the sense, I, I've taken a different path and different career, but I always look at, so I do a lot of intellectual property, work with a ton of startups and small businesses. And I always joke that most attorneys are great at giving you legal advice and horrible about giving you business advice because none of them have actually ever done a business. They've never actually got in. They've never built a business. They never had to deal with any of that. And most of them are just, hey, I started as an associate, worked my way up. And they're great at their legal perspective, but they're, not, they're terrible to the business perspective. So 
that's why I'm a little bit different, but I love to run the entrepreneur stuff and run my own businesses because I think it impacts or it gives you better insight as to what businesses are doing, what they're going through and makes you better to able to provide service in whatever industry you're, you're at. So now you did that. You know, in a, in a, you, you, originally it was, uh, I can't remember the name you mentioned, but then you'd switched over to get official, you know, and this is kind of a new, and you can correct me, or a new twist on what would be a social media platform, right? Or a different, yeah. a, a different approach to it. Now, question on that, because I mean, social, there are certainly some big gorillas in the room as far as social media, you know, oh, whether yeah. or not you like them, hate them, Facebook, Instagram, you know, Pinterest, TikTok, and I'm sure there are a whole bunch that I'm not hip enough to even know about. But you know, you take that, you know, diving into a social media realm is, I would assume is going to be hard. So as you decided, for, I guess I have several questions, but first question is, you know, did you dive in feet forward? You went and gave your two weeks notice, so to speak, and you just got going? Did it start as a side hustle or kind of how did you start to make that transition over? Yeah. So it started as a side hustle. It was one of those things where I was working on the side, I would do weekends. And then during the week, I'd kind of work my day job. So it was one of those things where I continue to grow, continue to build, was networking all the time and being in VC, that's what you do anyway. VC is entirely a network business. So networking was partly for me and then partly for my job because my job was to meet incredible founders and incredible people. Mm. It eventually got to the point in about October where it was one of those things where I couldn't anymore. So ended up kind of leaving the VC side, going full-time into official and then really kind of building out the team and building out everything around me to really go full force. We started building it back in August, Mm. designed it, nights and weekends, had it first designs done by September, started building in September, had first kind of version out playing with in November, testing through November, December, rebuilding in January, rebuilding in February, launching, and now back to that rebuilding phase and kind of really investing heavy into it. No, no, I, I think that, that, you know, a lot of times people are just saying, oh, I'm going to go all in and I'm going to dive in right out of the shoot. And I'm like, why don't you at least start it, even if it's for a short period of time, start as a side hustle, see if you actually like it, if it actually had legs and if you can actually want to do it. Because there's a lot of people that I think love the idea of being an entrepreneur until you actually are an entrepreneur. And then you're like, oh, this is not what I thought. It wasn't the like the television show or the TV show where I work four hours a day, then I go have lunches and I take off the rest of the day. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of stress. It's a lot of reward. It's a lot of fun, but I don't think everybody. So I think that it's definitely, there's a lot of sense to start out as a bit of a side hustle, get it started, get that momentum building and then switch over full time. So now as you guys have been at it full time, you've, you've got it launched, you know, kind of how, and it sounds like a, a couple of rebuilds, couple of figuring out what didn't work or what the bugs are or how the, what the, or what the holes are in the system. And that's why, every every software has beta because there you know there's always things that i always like to joke that you know the it's hard to make something idiot proof because they keep making better idiots in the sense that it's always hard to make software perfect out of the shooter make it fully functional because there's always things that you didn't anticipate but as you guys have gone through that how has it gone has it been successful it's been a rocket ship right up has it been bumpy has it been a downturn has it been how has that kind of navigated for you yeah so i would say we suffered from our own success so Mm -hmm. All platforms have a beta. We launched our beta on Valentine's Day. I was down in Miami. I got interviewed by the mayor of Miami. We dropped it on his Twitter, and it was an incredible time. That same day, we also went viral on TikTok. So we were expecting that day around 200 people to join. By the end of the week, the stretch goal was 1,000. The real goal was 500. Mm. Hour one, we had 500 people. Mm. By 
hour 12, we had 2,000 people. By the end of the day, we had 3,600. The next day, 5,000. The next day, 7,000. The next day, 8,000. The next day, 9,000. By the end of week one, we were up to almost 10,000. By the end of week two, we were up to 15,000. Hmm. And in a beta system, it's a little difficult. So going from zero to 15,000 real quick, a lot of things don't go well. And one of the things that we found that didn't go well was actually our authentication server gave out. So it thought we were under a DDoS attack and it was something where it was like, oh, you're not supposed to be getting 10,000 pings. We're going to shut you down. So it left a lot of our users in this really weird kind of meta space per se, where they were in the app, but they weren't in the app. So they couldn't get in, but they were in. So we had to go in kind of by hand, line by line, and re-add and redo these 10,000 people, which you can't do in a day. <laughs> but people don't realize in today's day and age that when you see an app, it could have just launched. Everyone was like, you guys didn't launch like years ago, and this isn't kind of like your next thing. I'm like, no, we launched today. So it was really fun where I was having the tech team kind of rebuild everything by hand. And then you had myself kind of answering hundreds of emails being like, why isn't it working? And then we had our social media team on TikTok and kind of all of our platforms responding to comments because everyone's like, why, why don't you guys work? And we're like, this is day one. Mm. And when people started to realize some were great about it, some were incredible, gave us a lot of support. Others just trashed us. Mm. And it's one of those things where what can you do, but kind of just smile and wave. <laughs> and we ended up raising some money over it because people started to realize that this is something that people need. And that allowed us to kind of continue to build where we weren't worried about is, or are we going to be a company in the next month? It was okay. We have a year runway. Let's make the product perfect. Let's turn off all advertising. Let's make it better. And then we'll give them an even better product. And one thing, and, I, and I, that's, it's always fun to hear kind of how launches go. Cause you know, you always just say, Oh, it showed up in the app store. It's gotta be perfect. It has to work fun functional there. And, and you know, they must test it. And it's like, no, there's a lot of things that can go wrong on the back end with any app. Even when you see big apps that they go down for a day or they go down for that, or something doesn't work it's because there's still, there are things that they didn't anticipate or didn't figure out until they actually launched it. And especially if you're getting a whole bunch of users all at once trying to do it, that you didn't anticipate is uh, definitely, uh, an issue that you have to tackle and one that you wouldn't necessarily anticipate so so now you guys in what and where i was going with that is you know you you there's always a fear that if you pull it back or you you stop or don't keep the gas on the pedal that it's going to lose momentum and so you know you're going to hey we've got some people that are excited that are doing it but now if we take kind of take or don't keep pushing it it's going they're going to move on to the next thing so how did you guys kind of make the decision that it's worthwhile to pull back because it is worthwhile to improve as opposed to, Hey, if we let go, you know, if we don't keep our foot on the gas for forever, it's going to, it's going to lose momentum. It was one of those things where at the end of the day, it was really hard for me. It was really, really hard, but it was something where I realized, look, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Our goal isn't 15,000 users. Our goal is 15 million one day. Mm -hmm. And in order to get there, we have to make sure we have a great product that works really well. Hmm. So it, it was really hard to pull back, but we decided, look, if we lose all 15,000 users, I'm going to be okay with it. I'm not going to be happy, but I'm going to be okay with it because I know if we can do this once, we can do this again. And it's something where we have a lot of really great stuff in the pipeline and we're building a lot of really interesting new features that our users are hopefully going to love. Hmm. So for us, this first kind of cohort was a test cohort and we see what we did wrong. We see what messed up and now we're going to keep growing. 
No, and I think that uh, that's, and I think that makes sense. I mean, it's it is always one of those hard decisions, and you don't you don't always know, especially at the time that you make the decision, which one is the right one. But at the end of the day, you still have to make the decision. You have to hope that's the right one. Do as much as check your gut, and also do as much research you can, and then pull or pull the trigger and keep going. So now that you've done that, you've done a couple rebuilds. You kind of relaunch, and you're and you're moving forward. How is the uh, rebuild, relaunch, and gone, and then you know, kind of. Building on top of that question, I know it's a compound question, which always makes it yeah. even more hard to answer. But now looking towards the next six to 12 months, kind of where do you see things going or, or see things heading for you? So still in the process of another rebuild, back out there, keep going. Still don't have advertising really turned on to our full extent, really not trying to drive crazy amounts of users right now. Just trying to make sure that kind of we make everything perfect. Next six to 12 months are really exciting for us. And I think the reason is we play in the world of people are going out on dates. So with COVID lifting and things hopefully getting better, either way, kind of we've seen people starting to date, but we think the next six to 12 months are going to be critical. On top of that, something we realized was at the end of the day, across the country, there are places that just don't have dates. So we had people emailing us, complaining to us. Someone in the middle of Idaho was like, hey, you don't have any dates within two hours from us. And I'm like, oh, where are you? And they told me this really small town that was, there was nothing near them. And I'm like, okay, what can I do to make the experience better for them? So what we're focusing on now is not only the date aspect and helping couples do more together, but we're taking that the next step further and focusing on intimacy. Because our goal is to help couples with their intimate lives and with the relationship as a whole. So any couple hopefully has an intimate relationship with each other. And that's kind of one of the next bigger targets that we're looking at and kind of next big feature build that we're looking to do. No, that, that definitely sounds exciting. And I'd probably fall. I, I guess I am close enough to big. I like small towns, So I'm in a smaller town or I live in a small town, but we're probably big enough into the, the city that I would be able to still find a date and it'll still give me a recommendation. The only, only gripe I have is that it's right now it's on the iOS and I unfortunately have Android, so I can't use it yet. So as soon as it goes to Android, let me know. And I definitely want to use it. So my wife uh, does will- have an, an iPhone, so I could still her phone and use it, but I, I'm, I'm too much of, I love to customize my phone to say, Android. I completely understand. We're actually, I had a call yesterday. We're getting that Android build out by Monday, the latest. All right. Well, then, I, then even before this airs, I'll be able to actually use it, <laughs> test it out and try it out. So I'm excited. So even better. Well, that was, as we start to wrap up and, uh, and I appreciate you sharing your journey. I always have two questions towards the end of the podcast and we'll jump to those now. And, and you may have touched on it just a bit, but we'll, we'll go into it anyway. So the first question I always ask is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? The worst business decision I probably ever made was really just not trusting myself to a degree. And it was in the beginning, kind of with the water bottle, more recently, kind of with certain things in official, there's always this sense of imposter syndrome and self-doubt. And it's something that's really hard for any entrepreneur. And what I learned from it is, look, the biggest thing you can do is fake it until you make it in business. And it's something where you don't have to have all the answers, but as long as you're being honest and as long as you're not really lying to someone, it's okay. So for me, I think that's the biggest thing I learned is you got to just keep the engine going and you kind of got to just keep moving. No, and I think that's definitely a good lesson to learn. I mean, I think that everybody, I don't know if you've seen fake it to make it, but get, nobody knows how to be an entrepreneur. No one knows how yeah. to start a company. Maybe if you've been through it several times, but even the people that I know that have been through it several times, 
every bit and i've done it several times every business is different everything you have to figure out and you think oh i finally got the hang of this and then you go to do another one and it start. it feels like you're starting from ground one so i think that you know that idea that every everybody has it figured out except for me and as you can if you you know that's part of the reason we even started the podcast is because you'll hear everybody has their different journey and nobody has this one size fits all here's how i got to where i'm at today and if you do it this way it's going to be success so i definitely think having the fortitude just jumping in getting it figured out getting it done and then I like the idea of being genuine and honest in the sense that most of the time where you get yourselves in the trouble or where people get turned off with what you're doing or aren't willing to support you or invest is when you try and misguide them or mislead them. And even if you're just trying to keep things going, just be honest with your customers, with your consumers, with your investors. And most of the most majority of the people and most of the time, they're going to be very understanding and supportive. As long as you're genuine and honest with them, it's usually when they feel like you're no longer giving them the truth or no longer being genuine that they start to, to lose interest. So I, I love that uh, as, a, as a lesson learned. So the second question I always ask is along your, if now you were talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Jump into it. it. Just jump out of the plane and figure out how to rebuild your parachute on the way down. That's really the only advice I could give. And I, I always do it as, I always use a similar, or rather jump out of the plane. I usually say we're building the plane as it's launching or as it's taking yep. off the runway. So it's absolutely, you're trying to figure it out as you go along. You're saying, well, you know, and I, I marketing team and the people I always tell them, I'm like, well, we can either take five weeks researching it out, figuring it out, doing, you know, getting all of our models, and then we're going to still have to build it and try and figure it out, or let's build it, test it out, see how it goes, what needs to be worked and what needs to be evolved. We'll have to be a lot smarter. It'll take less time. And if it doesn't work, we'll move on to the next thing. And if it's a great idea, then we can keep it on. So I love just diving into it, both on if you're in a business, trying that out, getting it going. And if you haven't got started, getting started. And it's interesting as many, I think we're up to, we're coming up and we haven't aired, but we're coming up on the 200 episodes. I'd say probably the number one thing I hear more from entrepreneurs and people doing it is, I wish I'd get going sooner or I love it once I get going or you should get going and something along those lines because that's, I think, the common thing that people find out is, oh, this is, is I wish I'd been doing this sooner and I love it and it's, it's great. So I love that, that feedback. Well, we have the... Um, intellectual property your top bonus question that's coming up that we'll hit on after the normal episode but for all of or as we wrap up the the normal episode before we jump to the bonus question if people want to reach out to you they want to be a user they want to be a customer a client they want to be an investor they want to be an employee they want to be your next best friend any or all of the above what's the best way to reach out find out more yeah i'm looking for any and all of the above so you can reach out to me on twitter stern zach you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Zach Stern, or you can go to our website, getofficial.co, contact us there, and I'll reach out to you back. All right. And they can obviously download, download your app as well. So. Obviously, yes, on uh, iOS now, and I guess when this airs, Android as well. All right. Well, I definitely encourage everybody to reach out, find out more, download the app, and take it for a spin. So. Well, thank you for coming on, Zach. It's been fun. It's been a pleasure. And uh, for all of you that are listeners, now, if you have your own journey to tell, we'd love to tell it. So feel free to uh, go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the podcast. Also, as a listener, one, make sure to click subscribe in your podcast player so you know when all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, um, leave us a review so new people can find us. Last but not least, if you ever need help with patents and trademarks, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law. Just go to strategy or strategymeeting.com and grab some time with us. 
So now with the, now as we go to the bonus question, which is, it's always kind of fun because I always get asked the questions during the normal episodes and I get to pepper you and I get the easy job. Yeah. And now you guys, now you get to flip the que- or flip the tables a bit and ask me a question. So with that, I'll turn it over to you to ask me the, your top intellectual property question. At what point should a company really go for a trademark? As soon as... I'll give you the the cliche answer, then I'll give you the real answer, which is I always say as soon as possible in the sense that as soon as it it fits within the budget or makes sense, earlier with basically all intellectual property is better. Now, I always also caution that with I also get as a startup and small business, you always have more things to spend money on than money to spend. And so you're always trying to make that balance. And so a couple of things, I'll give you a couple of guiding principles because there's not a one size fits all answer. But one is, is if you're looking at, and this is the same with patents, trademarks, copyrights, whenever you're trying to figure out what I should, or how soon I should get going, one is I look at the competitive landscape. So I say, hey, are there are a lot of people that are doing something in this area. And so and one, if I need to get a patent to protect it, then I, you know, if it's very competitive, it kind of moves up that time frame. Same thing if it's a very competitive industry, there's a lot of people that are going to try and be doing similar products and you may want to secure your brand so that somebody else doesn't either by happenstance come along and get the same or similar brand or say, hey, that's a great brand. I want a piggy tail or ride the coattails off. And so that's kind of one thing is look at your industry. The other thing that I'll didn't are giving the guiding principle is when you look at trademarks, again, it's really the same with all of them is generally it's a first to file system. So in the same with patents, and they all have a little bit different nuance, but with all of them, first person to file in a patent or the first person to file in a trademark is going to be the presumptive owner of that of that intellectual property. And so the other thing you have to look at is, hey, if we're going to be putting this out there, we're going to be doing a lot of marketing, sales, PR, those type of things, such that we don't want somebody to come along and see all the work and doing it. And, and again, either happenstance or copy it. The problem is, is if you wait too long, then people will file on as a trademark, they'll file on it then you're going to have an issue where you're boxed out of using your own brand in the sense that now they have filed on it, they've got a trademark and you're either saying, okay, now I can't, I don't have the rights to my own brand and I either have to rebrand, I have to get a license or anything else. So those are a couple of things. Now, how do I make the decision? I usually look and say, how, how much are we on trademarks that I've done with businesses? How far are we out there? Meaning how much exposure do we have? And if we have a minimal amount of exposure, you know, we're a local store or mom and pops, we're just launching. Yeah, we've got a website up, we're doing some things, but we haven't really put ourselves out there. Our risk goes down and I probably hold off and spend the money on other places. As the, as the notoriety, as it gets out there and it gets bigger, I say, okay, risk profile is going up. I'm going to have more likelihood of somebody or getting a lot of exposure and having, uh, dealing with issues of having to somebody else come along and do it first. Then I'll probably file at that point. So that along with whenever the budget allows is kind of that. It's not an, it's not an easy answer. I mean, if I were to give you the lawyer answer, if it was just the non-business answer, I'd say file it today because it's, you know, I always, I always hear the horror stories of people come in and say, okay, I've been building a business for five years. We finally got to the point I'd like to file a trademark. And then we go do a search and say, that's great. Got a problem. Somebody else filed for that three years ago and they own it. And now you have to rebrand or you have to go get a license. And so it's always one of those where you have to balance the budget versus a risk profile, take some of those guiding principles and then to make the best decision. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for that.
All right. Well, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Appreciate the question on the intellectual property. And again, if anybody else has any questions or you have any questions in the future, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time to chat and always happy to answer any questions. Thank you again for coming on the podcast, Zach. It's been, it's been fun. It's been a pleasure. And wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome.